I am so passionate about advocating for the fact that we have so much power and agency than what the dominant narrative of illness is in the world. And through neuroplasticity, through somatic experiencing, through developing our intuition, it's so possible to heal. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. And your host, Jessica Gill. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Expanded. I hope you all are having a fantastic week. Our Love Money Connection episode from last week really went wild, and you guys really resonated, and I'm so glad you were doing the exercise I gave at the end and seeing how it impacts everything. And it's so funny because I think so many people are in this time of introspection and and looking to up-level and manifest big things, and I'm noticing a large theme. It seems to also be the astrology theme of this transitional period and releasing control and what does this look like in this in-between sort of liminal space. So if you are in that and you're kind of like, oh boy, what am I doing in this space right now? How do I navigate? You are not alone. I would recommend going into any of the magic dark section of how to manifest and doubling down on your authenticity and allowing space for clarity to come through without needing to control. Just wanted to share that tip because it was really coming through for me to share with you. Today, we have an incredible process episode with TBM member Emily. She has manifested some wild things, including launching her business, being able to have really successful launches, speaking her needs, being able to put herself out there, allow herself to be seen. She manifested having another level of deeper connection and success in her relationship that was hitting sort of a rock bottom and very rocky times. And through this work, her and her partner are doing the TBM work and have manifested such a beautiful relationship on the other side. And one of the other things that Emily has really manifested that's very, very profound is she suffered a traumatic brain injury in a car accident years ago, and that left her with a lot of chronic pain. And through the TBM work, through outside healing modalities, through work with her doctors, she's been able to completely alleviate that chronic pain. And I want to make the disclaimer here that I know people who are suffering from chronic illnesses, from any illness in general, that that process is extremely challenging. And 
one aspect I want to make super, super, super clear is again, you know, we always say at TBM, you don't attract abuse. You don't attract neglect. You're not manifesting that from your self-worth, anything like that at all. There are just things that are out of our control in this world. And the universe is always trying to deliver us to our highest good. It's never trying to punish us. So I don't want anyone to think, oh, I manifested this chronic illness or I manifested this awful health issue. You are not broken. You are not unworthy. Your self-worth isn't low. That isn't why this health issue came upon you. So I really just want you to hear that and know that there are just things that are outside of our control. When it comes to manifestation, it is about reconnecting with our authenticity. So it's almost the both and of the world. It's okay, this health thing did happen. And how can I look at it through a lens that can maybe help and empower me navigate it with the most ease and authenticity? And that's really what Emily is sharing and talking about when she talks about manifesting a successful recovery from a lot of these health things is that she took a look with a doctor, with her experts, with any other healing modality she was using to also look at the emotional layer. How do you process from an emotional standpoint the grief, acceptance, pain that is coming up when you are facing a lot of these health issues? And how can you use some of the TBM work to be an addition and accoutrement to helping solve some of those other health issues? So I just invite you guys to have an open mind and maybe think about healing in a way that perhaps you haven't before, but this is not a blame game. And we always suggest going to your healthcare professional for advice and treatment and remedy of how to navigate. And you can always turn to the TPM work from an emotional standpoint and as an additional tool to all of this work. She has some really profound insights and delivers and says it in a very, I think, empathetic way. And I think you guys are going to be pretty blown away at some of the insights that she has to share. So if you are healing from anything emotionally, physically, mind, body, soul, this episode is for you. If you want to learn the power of transformation and be inspired, if you are someone who is very hard on yourself and doesn't give yourself a lot of compassion, here is your expander of how you can start to speak to yourself to really reframe that and change that and then start seeing the beautiful things show up in your life. I hope you guys enjoy. And now a word from our partners. So as you guys know, we had a huge up level this year and we're able to build out an even more effective integrated behind the scenes and for our customers platform where we can host all of our memberships and community groups. And we're so excited to announce that we have partnered with Kajabi to make this all happen. So Kajabi is an all-in-one business platform for knowledge entrepreneurs. They make it easy to build, market, and sell your online courses, membership sites, coaching programs, and more. And best of all, you don't need to learn to code or have to worry about plugging or broken integrations. And as a small business, one of the issues that we came across so many times is that from our payment methods to our backend websites, to our membership emails, none of the tech communicated with each other and caused glitches and issues. But Kajabi solved that problem as an all-in-one spot. So we could build our landing website, We can have all of our membership access in one place, have all of our online courses built out custom to the way that we want them. 
We can have our secure payment gateway in there, email integration, sales funnel software, our email marketing software, and analytics all in one place. And one of the best parts is they have incredible customer service. They have been around since 2010 and they are so, so, so driven of making the most seamless experience for business owners of any size on the back end and for the users and customers on the front end. I highly recommend it. It has been such an incredible experience working with them and just having everything in one place. If you're a business owner out there, if you're thinking of launching an online course, perhaps have a membership site, even a coaching program, maybe you even want to host your public or private podcast. You can do it now all in one place, including send emails to those people and get real time analytics. Kajabi is partnering with TBM and offering you guys a one month free trial. So they do custom plans depending upon what you need for your business. You can go in, sign up for the free trial, see a plan that works perfectly for your business and your business's needs and see how effective Kajabi truly is. And I promise once you join, you will not look back. It has been such an incredible experience and just so grateful that companies like this exist who are really thinking of every single step for the business owner. So if you want to try out the free month trial, you can go to the link in our show notes where we'll have a custom URL where you can claim your free 30-day trial and check out more of what Kajabi has to offer. So you've heard Lacey share about her experience with the Bond Charge Sauna Blanket and truly it is a manifestation come through for me as well. It is one of the number one things I get asked on from friends about how is it. So I'm going to share all my insights and tips around it here. So what's beautiful about the sauna blanket is that A, you can lay down. In a lot of the other forms, you're sitting up the whole time and it can get uncomfortable because you're in there for 30 to 40 minutes, maybe even an hour. Now you can rest the sauna blanket out on your bed or on the floor, whatever is comfortable, put a pillow behind your head with a towel and you're good to go. And it's so grounding and relaxing. My primary driver for getting in the sauna blanket is to sweat. But sometimes even when I'm needing grounding or in between podcast recordings, I will jump in the sauna blanket and have it on a low temperature just to kind of ground my body to warm up if I'm cold or if I have muscle aches or tension. It really, really helps with that as well. The thing that I love about the Bond Charge blanket specifically that other blankets on the market don't have is that it is A, the lowest in EMF you're getting the strongest high quality infrared lights in the blanket and all non-toxic materials that after you deeply sweat in the sauna, it's super easy. You just take a cloth, non-toxic spray, and just spray down the inside. It's so, so easy to take care of. And the thing that really sells me on the Bond Charge blanket over any other blanket I've used on the market is that you can go in with no clothes on. A lot of other blankets get so hot that you need a lot of layers to protect you from some of the infrared layers that are going on in there. The Bond Charge blanket is so well insulated that you can go in completely in the buff, sweat it out. You don't have to dry out your clothes. You don't have to wring out your socks. You can just come out, wipe down the blanket, take a nice cold shower, rinse off and be so, so incredibly rejuvenated. It has been a game changer, like I said, in my mental health, physical health, detox I don't know what I'd do without it. Daniel is constantly stealing it from me, especially as he recovers from certain muscle pulls or tears as he does some heavy lifting stuff. And it's been so helpful for that as well. I can't say enough good things about it. If you're looking for a sauna blanket, if you don't have space for a big 
infrared sauna, or if you want a infrared way to detox in your home where you can lay down and be most comfortable, I highly, highly recommend. And you can get 15% off with code MAGNETIC, all caps, that's M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C for 15% off. You can go to bondcharge.com slash pages slash magnetic and see all the wonderful products that Bond Charge also has to offer. All right, on to the episode. So Emily, welcome to the process. Thank you for having me. This is such a major manifestation. I'm still pinching myself that I'm here right now. And I wanted you to share because we actually had someone else write in about this, how when you initially were starting to manifest and things are coming through, you're like, oh, I thought I had to sort of be at this level to be on the process and what you really did to kind of soothe that part of you to know that you're so worthy and deserving of sharing your story, regardless of what it looks like on sort of the material plane, even though you materially manifested tons. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I come from a long background of very high achieving perfectionist tendencies. And when I first discovered the podcast in 2020, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I was listening to every single episode, going back in time, listening to everything. Intuitively, I just had this deep knowing, like, I'm going to be on a process episode. Like, I have it written for my journals from the beginning. I didn't know how or when or why. But then just time kept passing and I would manifest big things. I'd be like, okay, it's not enough yet to submit. And then I was also like, well, I'm a projector. So I have to wait for the invitation to even put myself out there. So I was very confused in navigating all of that. But then finally, when all these massive things were coming through at the end of 2022, I was like, okay, I definitely feel like I have a lot to share and I've manifested a lot. I started writing everything down. At that point, all of my friends who also follow this process were like, Emily, you have to like go on. And then I was messaging with you on Instagram and you were like, you need to submit your story. I was like, okay, there's my invitation. (laughs) And I submitted it. And so I like went way overboard. I wrote like, I don't know, nine pages in a Google doc before sending, which is like, it actually was so fun for me because I really got to the point where I realized regardless of whether I get selected or not, this process of looking back and realizing how much I have manifested and how much I've grown as a person has been so worth the process. So after I'd sent it off and told you, it was like dead crickets, like silent for like a few weeks. And I was like, okay, this is a test. And then an episode came out with someone who had like made seven figures in her business. I was like, they're never going to want me. Like I haven't made that much. And then I just really got clear. I did my unblocked DI journaled, really connected to like what being on the episode meant for me. And as opposed to it being, I need to prove that I'm worthy. I really realized, no, I want to share and really expand others and everything that's possible and and keep growing my impact I'm having on this world. So as soon as I journaled that out an hour later, you invited me for a Zoom call and I was like, okay, this is it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, the power of the work. It's kind of wild. I really have to start noting after I get out of a DI, the things that happen almost instantaneously. It's kind of wild when you can soothe those inner child parts and allow voice to them and really reprocess in that way. It's almost like an instantaneous shift, even in little things. It's so nuts. Totally. Okay. So what is your sun, moon, and rising? Yeah. So I am a double cancer. My sun and rising are in cancer and my moon is in Taurus. Okay. So how does that present for you? I grew up, I was always 
very highly emotional, very moody. I would have temper tantrums. I just had no way of expressing my emotions or processing them in a boundaried way. And I felt really judged for that and how deeply I felt emotions, which now I can be like, oh, that was clearly my cancer side coming through. And I always loved horoscopes. Like my mother introduced them to me and my sisters early on, but I just really loved it and everything resonated with me. So when other people were like, I don't really get horoscopes, they don't really click. I'm like, it really does for me. (laughs) And also with the moon in Taurus, I think it's really been helpful for me to recognize that my desire for abundance, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I can desire these really beautiful things and indulgent experiences, and there's nothing to be ashamed of for that. And what was your childhood upbringing and background and how did that inform who you are today? Yeah. So my mother is Korean and my father is white of like British and Scottish descent. I grew up in Canada in Calgary, Alberta, Treaty 7 territory, and I'm the youngest of three girls. And I would say we were definitely upper middle class. I went to a French Catholic elementary school. I did French immersion my whole life. And so had a really beautiful childhood. I think what really shaped my subconscious was the fact that we Grew up in a very competitive environment, a lot of music festivals and competitions, ballet class. It was just like nonstop. I didn't have much time for myself. It was that hustle culture. And another thing that really shaped it beyond this perfectionist and this need to achieve, like if I would get 98%, it would be, where's the 2%? And then my dad's parents paid all the grandkids for our report cards based on our marks. So I didn't even realize that was weird or different (laughs) until I kind of grew up and was like, oh, I guess others didn't have such a strong need to achieve as I did. Like it was like this very explicit motivation. And another part was that my mother was really sick and she had polycystic kidney disease like my uncle, my cousin, and like I have. And so from grade four, she started dialysis every day, going to the hospital, and that really impacted my childhood and just seeing a parent who was sick and feeling in my body. Now I realize I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm an empath that I was experiencing all of these things going on around the household, but our parents were trying to protect us kids. But I would be like dreaming of an ambulance or all these fearful things. And my parents just wouldn't tell us like this was actually happening in real life. I think that I also being a double cancer took on a nurturing role as the youngest, which not necessarily was assigned to me. It's just a role I kind of felt I needed to take on. I felt responsible for everyone's feelings and it was a lot for me to carry. And so now my journey has been a lot about looking at my own health and seeing how that blueprint was formed from a young age based on what I was witnessing in my own family. I think that's actually really common for younger siblings and the youngest sibling in particular to take on sort of that peacekeeping role. I'm sure there's psychology like backing it up in studies on it, but it is really interesting because I noticed that even with my sister and my family that she really was like, uh, can everyone get along? Like, let me, you know, we're all best friends. Like I'll make sure if these people are fighting, I'll, I'll tie between them. And the emotional and almost spiritual weight that has on a kid who's just like the innocence is so pure, you know, especially at those younger ages, you think of the impact of that long-term. How have you been able to sort of start to unpack some of that and what your authentic self was really wanting in those situations? 
Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I'm not sure if you asked my family members if they would have felt the same, like, because I was so moody and erratic, but I am the youngest cousin on each side of the family. And I definitely see that role of me having to bring people together. And so it's interesting because I became um, a band and choir teacher and was performing professionally around the world on the oboe. And then I was loving my job. I was teaching at a very elite private school and suddenly I was rear-ended and I sustained a brain injury, which I thought was just a concussion that was going to go away, but it evolved and evolved and turned into months and then years on disability leave on and off. And something that really affected my journey and was really profound was uh, my EMDR therapist that I found. I was kind of explaining how I felt like no one was reaching out. I've done so much for our families. I've organized all of these get togethers for the extended families. I've been the one holding us all together. And since I've been sick, I haven't felt that. I haven't received that. It was a lot of bitterness and same thing with friendships as well. And so A, I learned I needed to communicate my needs. I needed to express what I needed. And it was also about unpacking layers of codependency and realizing that it wasn't my responsibility to fix others or to carry their emotions and that I could set my own personal boundaries. And the more I started to do the inner work through therapy, through TBM, and through other health practitioners I saw, I realized that as I stepped into myself and realized I could nurture myself, all of the other things started to fall into place. All of my friends suddenly started reaching out in the ways that I wanted and I could communicate and express myself and what I needed. It was just a really beautiful experience. And even where to the point where my oldest sister said, like, Emily, the healing work you've done over these last few years has healed our whole family. And it's been really beautiful because for so long, I, you know, my oldest sisters definitely got more of the tiger mom energy, like the being forced to do homework, the needing to practice piano and such. But I was always trying to do my best to get my parents' attention because I always felt like I could never do or be enough to get their approval. But now talking through it with them, doing the inner child workshop and having really open conversations. And as adults, they were like, Emily, you were always a go-getter. We never had to worry about you. You were bringing up the rear, like, whereas so interesting, me as a young kid, I was processing, I'm not enough. I don't belong. I'm not good enough. Everyone else was like, holy crap, this girl's a tornado. She's doing all of these things. But it, it was coming from such a place of needing external validation that I I've now learned that I can give myself. So, okay, talk about how, and like even specifically maybe in a DI, how you give yourself that validation, how you allow yourself to see yourself, to validate yourself. Because I think people, especially doing the TBM work, kind of struggle like, well, what does that even look like? Like, how do I do that in a DI? Like, what am I saying? What, you know, paint the picture for everyone, how to actually show up and nurture yourself in those moments when you're like, ah, everything feels frantic or crazy or whatever. How do you actually go in and do that healing for yourself? One of the first experiences I remember being super profound was doing a meditation, a loving kindness meditation, which I cannot more highly recommend. And the concept of that meta meditation, a traditional like Buddhist practice is you give loving kindness to everyone around you, people you're struggling with, people that you're kind of neutral towards, and then you give yourself loving kindness. And as I was doing this meditation, I realized this was a few months into my concussion. I was so depressed. I was off work. I felt I had no purpose. So I was, meditation was the only moments of the day I was symptom free. And I remember such this feeling in my body of, oh my gosh, you have never offered yourself compassion in your whole life. And it brought me to tears. 
And so it was a long journey of being comfortable, even receiving that kind of love for myself, putting my hand on my heart and just saying, I'm here. A lot of talking to my inner child and explaining things that had happened to her, but from a lens of now as an adult, knowing how I could help her. So a lot of memories that came up in my DIs, for example, was when I was a baby, I was in the crib and I would cry a lot. And so this vivid memory of just feeling like my needs didn't matter. No one was coming to me. Eventually they realized that I had hernia. And so that's why I was crying. The next day after surgery, I started crawling a few months. Well, I don't know, six or eight months old. I forget. But a lot of my reprogramming was going into DIs. And once I was in that deep, relaxed state, I would go and I would pick up my little self as a baby and just say, hey, Emily, I know that you feel so alone right now and you're in pain. And I just need you to know that your parents don't realize that you have hernia right now or that you're in pain. They think they're doing what's best for you. It doesn't mean that they don't love you. And help is coming. So do not worry. And so I would just really nurture myself. But other times I would reprogram and it would just be that right away when I whined, I was taken to the doctor and the doctor didn't miss it. And all of a sudden I was fixed. And so I never even had to live that kind of traumatic experience in the crib. Another example was like in grade four, I was always a teacher's pet. Like I really looked up to teachers and in grade four, I had a teacher that just did not like me. (laughs) It was the only teacher I ever had that experience with where like we really butt heads. And then as an adult, being able to look back, be like, well, that's the exact year that your mom started dialysis and was away from the home. You were going through so much with your friendships and trying to navigate all these hormonal changes were happening. And so I would really reprogram me offering that self-compassion to myself and saying, Emily, I know things are tough. You're struggling with your friends. Everything at home is very complex right now. A lot of emotions that are hard to process that no one's talking about. And I know that this teacher isn't recognizing the kind of compassion that you need, but I'm here and we're going to get through this. And through this experience, we're getting stronger. We're becoming more resilient and everything's going to be okay. Oh, I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that paints a picture for what some of that dialogue can look like when you're having those moments. And yes, you can definitely do it in the conscious state, but when you do it in the subconscious state, when you're really relaxed in that meditative state and the deep imagining that's where that magic and power can really happen. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but when that reassurance is happening, I guess you probably even touched on in the beginning where you're saying, oh, I never offered myself compassion. When you first do this, you almost are like, oh God, this little inner child was so starved of this sort of reassurance that it's just waterworks. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think that, It doesn't have to be as difficult as we think. A lot of times what I'm learning so much and what I do with my work now is that we are not taught how to regulate our emotions or what a dysregulated nervous system feels like. So a lot of times I'm actually going in as a teacher or I love to reprogram being in this magnetic school with all of my expander thought leaders, just like Louise Hay and Gabor Maté and Lacey Phillips and Oprah and Sonia Choquette and all of these people who are just teaching me like, hey, Emily, you're dysregulated. Like you're in your hyper aroused state of your window of tolerance, outside of your window of tolerance. So here, let's extend your exhale or here, why don't you punch this pillow in a safe way to express your anger? Or like, let's let out some gurs or you seem really sad. It's okay to cry. And like teaching my youngest self how to process my emotions in a boundaried way, which I didn't even learn until I was an adult, quite honestly. I feel like most people 
don't. Most people go their whole lives not knowing really how to do that in a boundary way. It's either overexerting, even think of anger, right? As the example, you either see extreme cases of anger where people lash out their anger towards others. And so one version of person is, oh, I can't control my anger. And then you have the other extreme, which is a, ooh, I saw someone not being able to control it. That was scary. I'm going to shut mine down. And then that anger turns into, you know, self-anger, depression, all of the other things that will happen from that. And so I think even emotion is simple but complex as anger, no one knows where, what am I doing with this? Like, how do I discharge from this emotional state? It's really tough because I was a teacher and my parents, like no one has been until recently teaching this stuff in school, right? So it's not even like I can blame my parents because no one ever taught them. I remember when I started having these aha moments and as I was trying to make my gradual return back to teaching, I was very conscious about teaching my students these kind of things. I was like, you know what? Like, I just need to teach these kids how to love themselves because that is the most important thing. They're not going to remember much else of what I teach them because the only thing I remember about my teachers is when I felt like I belonged and when I was safe in their classroom and when they believed in me. So I remember teaching them about all these things and like how to process their emotions in a healthy way about effective communication. And one of my students said, it's amazing because... We can't even get mad at our parents because they never learned how to do these things. But it's really great that I now have these tools. And it was just such a beautiful moment of like, yeah, like we need to be teaching children this information young. And I'm so grateful for the expansion of social emotional learning that's really expanding in the education field. And I just feel like it can't move fast enough. Completely agree. Okay, so pivoting to some fun manifestation stuff. I'm even looking at your list here of your manifestations. So reclaiming your health and well-being, completely eliminating symptoms from your chronic health condition, learning how to truly rest, slow down, honor your physical needs, deep rewiring of limiting beliefs that your worth was rooted in your productivity. I know I can definitely relate to that one. You manifested a bridge job. You manifested a business that was fully aligned with your authentic code, which you are now living in now, where it is making more money than previous jobs. And you are working two to three hours a day from home and can take vacation whenever with a community that surrounds you and fills you up. $1 million in your lawsuit settlement from your car accident without needing to go to trial. Trial, 42K launch received for World Changing Visionary Award, incredible partnership with your husband, who also does the TBM work, by the way, deep connection with your intuition, great relationship with in-laws, and then a ton of minor things like minor, but also major, which I like that you noted there, Biomat, laptop, free TV, podcasts, wellness retreats. I mean, the list goes on and on. So what brought you to TBM? And how has this work supported you on some of your biggest life changes? Specifically, one I want to start into was your health journey as well. Yeah. I mean, the story of how I found TBM is so cool and divine. You know, when conventional medicine was not healing me from my concussion, I was like, what is going on? So I started turning, as I think a lot of chronically ill people do, to more like intuition and oracle cards and crystals. So I remember going to a crystal store. My husband's a geologist. And so, you know, I like the metaphysical side of crystals and he likes the like the mineral properties. So it's a really great hobby for us. And I remember walking around and, and picking up this crystal and then checking out. And the woman there was like, Um, this crystal has a message that it would like me to share with you. Like, are you open to receiving it? 
And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And so she said, this crystal wants you to do inner child work with it. And I was like, okay. I had never heard of inner child work before, ever. I was like, and then later I found out this woman was a shaman. So I was like, okay, this is very cool. So I went home. And back at the time, I had binocular dysfunction and occipital neuralgia. A lot of damage had been done to my optic nerves in the car accident. So I really was not able to manage screen time or reading. So basically, podcasts and audiobooks were my life. So I, I quickly searched Inner Child in Apple Podcasts. And the first thing that popped up was an expanded episode with Dr. Nicola Perra. And so I listened to it. I was like, okay, this is really cool. But what also is this whole new language and terminology of the expanded podcast? And And so I dove deep and luckily I was like, well, I don't know if it's luckily, but I I do view it as a gift now. I had so much free time being on medical leave that I was able to go back and listen to every single episode and just study the work, figure out the terminology. I became obsessed and it really helped me view manifestation in a new way because before then I had been a lot of the new age manifestation and I'd been like, think positive, no negative thoughts. And I really believed I created my reality and that had worked for me to get every single job I'd ever wanted. I won every single raffle, Michael Buble tickets. Like I was on fire with manifestation, made a vision board every year. And then when my concussion happened, I was like, why on earth would I manifest this? So it made me really question new age manifestation and everything I thought I knew. And I was also learning about anti-oppression and being like, this doesn't account for intergenerational trauma. It doesn't account for privilege. I was just spinning. And so the expanded podcast at the time was really evolving as well with it's like making it more accessible for different communities. So I basically was listening for a year. It was 2019 that I discovered the podcast. So actually it was 2020 that my husband walked into the bedroom as I was listening to Heather's, now the TBM coach, (laughs) expand or process episode. And he says, what are you listening to? And then he went and signed us up, like no questions asked. (laughs) Meanwhile, I was like, I can't invest in myself, even though the cost is so minimal. It went along with the self-compassion piece and choosing myself. I would have never signed myself up for something. So the fact that he signed us up, And then COVID hit and we just started doing the work together, which was beautiful. And having that accountability was so special and is so special. And yeah, that's so that's how I started and discovered TBM. And honestly, it felt like slow progress during the time. But now I can see Patience is so required with healing. I know healing is kind of a controversial topic when you talk about manifestation. And I didn't think it was possible. Lacey says she'd never figured out how to manifest health and all these things. But I really started to just do all the work, develop my self-worth, really realize that slowing down was okay. Having been so highly productive and busy my whole life, I never slowed down. And that's exactly what my body and mind and spirit were begging me to do. And I truly believe had it not been for my brain injury, I would have never actually slowed down. It forced me to because of the pain, which now looking back, it was the gift of such a traumatic experience. I I thought, okay, well, concussions, post-concussion syndrome, even though so many people are suffering, it's supposedly something you can recover from. So I was like, this isn't that special. At this point, I manifested my health. I started my business. I was thriving. My symptoms went away. But I also had this kidney disease, which I'd known I'd had since I was a teenager. And so I've been doing the work. I've been visualizing every night the cysts in my kidneys disappearing, just like every night I would visualize this healing purple light going around my neck and my eyes and just healing everything, my brain fog, my dizziness, my my migraines. And 
the trick is I had to fully, fully believe it in my body. So when I was in that deep theta brainwave, I would just try to embody that that whole sensation of being fully healed. My affirmation at the time was, and still is, I radiate health and vitality. And lo and behold, my degenerative hereditary condition, which is not supposed to improve. Last week, I went to see my nephrologist at the hospital and my numbers have improved. Not supposed to happen. And she Mm. even told me, don't underestimate the power of meditation and mindfulness. And you might never need dialysis and a kidney transplant like your family members. And I just got in my car and sobbed because even though I wasn't sure I consciously believed I could heal, Somewhere deep inside of me, I had this belief like it's possible because I know where these wounds are coming from. I've done so much ancestral healing. There has to be a correlation between fear from the kidneys and the fact that it's ancestral. It's been passed on through this lineage of this Korean ancestry struggling with Japanese invasion, the Korean War, all of these things. And so by doing the ancestral healing work, I truly believe that I'm also healing my mind and body. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is so powerful. I think you had just gotten out of one of your doctor visits when we talked last and yeah. you were like, I'm, I cannot believe these numbers. Like this is unheard of. I don't know how this is possible. And even just thinking about the healing from the chronic pain of your traumatic brain injury and everything from the car accident and knowing like, oh, this could be something that could be long-term my whole life. I'm always going to have to deal with this. What do you think, yes, the meditation, believing in your body that it could heal, honoring the rest, what were some other elements or pieces that you recognized played a factor, I guess, into the healing? And I think I think the rest one obviously is huge. If you don't feel comfortable resting, you never actually rest and then your body can't regenerate and heal itself. So what were some of those elements too? Yeah, I mean, now I'm a chronic illness advocate and I I run group mentorship programs for people with chronic illness. And you'd be surprised, consciously, we might think that actually learning how to rest is easy. It is such a deep wound specifically for women and it takes a long time to reprogram. It's this deep, deep sensation of guilt and unworthiness when we feel like we can't actually take a break. And it's this deep desire to be seen and belong and receive that external validation and praise. And it honestly is making us sick. I forget the exact stat, but I believe it's 80% of people who have chronic illness are women. And so I just look at how women have been socialized and this need to do everything. And as our salaries are increasing, as we're entering the workforce and all these things, the amount of expectations on us at home in our families has not been taken away. So we are just being expected to do so much more than any other generation. And it truly is killing us. So as much as it can say, yes, rest is important. The amount of deep reprogramming I had to do digging in there to realize where did I learn that rest is lazy? Where did I learn that I'm unworthy unless I'm doing And it took a long time and it still takes conscious effort for me to remind myself to take breaks because I constantly find myself going to old patterning of go, go, go. And yes, it can be that I'm excited and I want to get something done, but we are so disconnected from our bodies. One of the biggest things I also reprogrammed in addition to realizing I was worthy of rest was reframing my relationship with pain. 
you know, it hasn't been talked about this on this podcast yet, but the largest study ever conducted is ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. I was learning this in my graduate studies. And what it shows is that when you experience adverse childhood experiences and trauma, it absolutely correlates with your future health outcomes. So for example, if you experienced abuse, if you had a family member who's incarcerated, if you experienced like a traumatic natural disaster, all of these factors, you can Google ACEs and see it will impact your health. So for me, understanding that pain is actually trauma and memories and emotions stored in my body. So I think a lot of us can kind of gaslight ourselves, even though I know that term is overused, or just deny the fact that what we experienced, even if it was just a teacher telling us we weren't good enough, that has tremendous impacts in us and what our body is carrying and holding on to. So a lot of my process, and it happened during DIs as well, and I kind of recorded my own DIs as well for specifically what parts of my body I needed help with, I would go in and I would actually lean into the pain. I stopped viewing pain as bad. I started really nurturing my relationship with my body, tuning into the wisdom of my body, and realizing that oh, if I have a headache in this specific area, it actually is tied to this memory. Let me not avoid this. Let me fully feel in and it's just, you know, David Hawkins book, letting go, just like go deeper and deeper and deeper into the feeling. Don't shy away from it. As I was doing that, my pain started to dissipate and then disappear. And the research really does show that people who experience chronic pain at that point, most of it is being created in your mind. And it's because of how we actually associate with pain. We think of it as bad. And if your mind thinks that, then you're going to be stuck in fight or flight or freeze and your body's going to shut down and you're going to keep separating from yourself. And I think the beauty of TBM is that it helped me really come back home to myself. It helped me learn how to trust my intuition. It helped me learn how to slow down and meditate and be mindful. And it helped me realize that a lot of people who get sick and then they Google it, they realize, okay, my health condition, it's chronic, there's no cure. And it's kind of this horrible cycle that a lot of us get into a feeling I'm hopeless, it's never going to get better. And so I am so passionate about advocating for the fact that we have so much power and agency than what the dominant narrative of illness is in the world. And through neuroplasticity, through somatic experiencing, through developing our intuition, it's so possible to heal. Maybe you don't believe that you could completely eliminate your symptoms, but I have worked with many people now who are experiencing dramatic transformations, and it's because they believe they can thrive with their condition. And when you believe in it and follow it up with the actual work and dig into the trauma and all of the systemic barriers that have been impacting you, it's not about avoiding, it's not about spiritual bypass, it's not about toxic positivity, it's about reconnecting with yourself and realizing how you have the power to change. Getting to the stage I'm in has taken many years and it has not been easy. I am someone who has filled tons of journals doing all of the TBM work. I've listened to every episode, every supported episode, done every workshop many times, done DIs minimum three times a week. I have committed because my why was so strong. Like I desperately wanted to heal. I desperately did not want to keep experiencing my pain. I will admit that in the early days, I very much was stuck in victim mentality. I kept thinking, why me? What is happening? Why doesn't anyone understand? And it was just fueling this continued path into depression and anger and frustration and bitterness. And honestly, slowly, I started being 
guided in different ways towards different things, such as TBM, such as finding this practitioner and this treatment and this doctor. And I, I truly, truly had to go through a shift of realizing that I had in some capacity to accept radical accountability for the things that I was doing in my life that was manifesting as illness, as dis-ease in my body. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you are bad. Pain doesn't mean you're a failure. I want to hold so much space for anyone who is experiencing pain or suffering or mental illness, any type of invisible disability. I want you to know it's truly not your fault, but there is a point where if you do desire to get to the stage that I'm in, if you want to thrive, if you want to get to the other side, and if you want to move through the grief, the denial, the anger to the gradual improvements until you reach a state of acceptance and then thriving, it's a journey. Healing is not linear. There will be ups and downs. Sometimes you'll make a step forward and feel like you take two steps back, just remember, and this is something I always reminded myself, when I felt like I'd been buried, I realized I was actually planted and I was just growing and you can't compare yourself to others. You cannot say that other person has more petals than me. You're different flowers. You're growing at different rates. Patience is a skill set. Patience is so integral to healing, whether you're healing from something physical or emotional. I don't personally think there is a difference, but it really is about looking inward and realizing what you can do to change. Because I had to do a lot of acceptance for where I was at, and I had to do a lot of apologizing. I had to realize the times that I had had temper tantrums, that I had been aggressive, that I had been hyper-dominant and, and focus too much on an outcome. And it wasn't easy, but doing that inner work is about being honest with yourself. And for me, passing tests in a lot of ways was accepting responsibility for my actions and behaviors and knowing that it was possible to change them. Hearing you say that, it feels like it like calmed my nervous system. I'm like, oh yeah, I can let that go. I don't have to strong arm that. So hard. And I think when we identify with whether it's a, a limiting belief or a fear structure or having the victim mindset or any of those things, we're like, no, 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 but I need this because it's keeping me safe. I understand this pain. Like I can't let go of this pain because I don't, I don't know what it's like without it or, you know, whether that pain is physical, emotional, et cetera. And I think it is the bravest thing in the world to say, I'm going to try to explore life trusting, surrendering, letting go of this thing that I've attached to because I thought it was going to bring me safety. But when I actually look at my surroundings, shit's a mess, you know? <laughs> <laughs> letting go of control is probably one of the biggest parts of my journey. I used to be so hypercritical of my husband. I used to be so controlling of needing an outcome to go a certain way. And for me, it was the only way for me to totally fully lean in to the fact that I had no control over the timeline. 
I can honestly say that I'm beyond grateful for my car accident. I'm beyond grateful for every experience that's ever happened to me because without it, I wouldn't have learned and I wouldn't have gotten to the point that I'm in now. But when you're deep in the thick of it, the last thing you want to hear is everything happens for a reason. Like trust the process. (laughs) Like I get that. I get that. There has to be time and space for actually feeling the feelings and not skipping over the part because it will continue to manifest as pain in your body. And the other thing that you brought up is such a good point that when we're ill, even though consciously we can be like, this isn't a good thing. We, I wouldn't be choosing this, but on some level being stuck in that way is protecting you, or at least your body believes it's protecting you. Your nervous system thinks that this is the best solution. Even when people have suicidal ideation, it honestly is your body and mind trying to protect you because it believes that completely shutting down is the only solution. In that way, you can even reframe that as like, it's a beautiful thing because my body and mind are trying to protect me. And it's just so important to start to have compassion for your body, turn and work with it because it will show you the way how. And so will your pings and so will this TBM process. Like you, if you're even listening to this episode, I hope you're resonating. I'm hoping you're realizing that you're being guided and all of these little things, all these insights, all these resources that come your way, it's not by chance. It's for a reason. And I just think if I hadn't gone through what I went through, I would never be able to guide people through the same path. I never expected to start a business. It freaking terrified me. (laughs) (laughs) And, And also my clients, like around three to four weeks in, people start to really notice a shift in their symptoms. And honestly, it scares them because they've become so accustomed to the pain that the fear of the unknown is what then holds them back from making the changes to their habits and behaviors that are required. It's also really interesting and eye-opening for me, like that even improving can trigger a fear response in our nervous systems, but it just goes to show we need to have grace and patience with ourselves at every stage of the journey. I mean, I even think of, you know, when people set boundaries and they're like, okay, I did all my inner child DIs. I'm ready to set this boundary. I got my energetic boundaries ready. I'm going to set my verbal boundaries and follow them up with action. And then they set them and they're like, oh shit, what did I do? What did I do? What? Okay. You know what? Look, I'll take it back. I'll take my boundary back. It's fine. That wasn't, you know, it didn't land well, whatever. And it's like, okay, once you do the thing that is good for you, can you then sit in the discomfort of this new space, which is, this is what happens when I set my boundaries. And that doesn't mean I need to stop doing it. That doesn't mean it was bad. That doesn't mean it was wrong. It's just new. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable, elevated, stressed. Like your body's going to be like, what? Like almost a panic and leaning into that. And like, this will pass. I can sit with this feeling. I can sit with the discomfort and that is how it builds that that stability for newness and growth. Absolutely. Learning how to say no for people who resonate with like kind of being the overachiever style, like learning how to say no is one of the most important boundaries to start to learn. And it is not easy. You feel like you're being aggressive as opposed to assertive or, or you're at the other end of passiveness where you're just completely silent. Like it is so challenging. It's not easy. One of my favorite strategies inside of the DIs is when I'm there and I'm with my inner child is I like to like imagine a bucket of paint 
and the paint is like this energetic healing light. And we just draw boundaries around ourselves and we create this bubble. And each time it's like, okay, this line is about this specific boundary of not allowing, for example, negative comments to come into my DM. (laughs) This boundary is about us not having to take on the energy and pain and emotions of those around us. And we just continue painting these boundaries together until we're fully covered in this healing light. And I love doing that in my DIs because it just reminds me and my inner child we're safe to do this and we're protected. Oh, I love that one. I think that's so powerful, especially doing it with your inner child too. So it's like, okay, you're both kind of in this together. That's so beautiful. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. the work been with your relationship and and navigating and healing and getting to the next level? And as you're both sort of growing and evolving at different rates, how has that been? Yeah, honestly, Adam, my husband and I are different people than when we first met. And our relationship is so much stronger and authentic than when we first met. At the beginning of our relationship, before I was even ill, I was very controlling. I was very critical. If you talk about John Gottman's, like the four horsemen and well, it's criticism and it's contempt. I always felt like my way was the best way. And then he was the other of the two horsemen, which was defensiveness and stonewalling, just shutting down. We were enabling each other in our dynamics. And while we did have a beautiful relationship, as soon as my husband got laid off and then as soon as I got sick, it was a full breakdown. I'm grateful it happened really early on in our marriage because even though it was some of the darkest days and I can remember times sitting on the floor where we really did contemplate divorce because we just were fighting all of the time. We didn't understand each other, but through a lot of work, through therapy, through each of us doing our own work and and stopping to take like responsibility for each other, 
the shift that's happened in our relationship is so beautiful. And in the beginning, we really had to figure out our boundaries around TBM because it would be like, okay, well, you go do a DI on that then. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, someone's triggered. And like, but it was also like when we were feeling heated and outside of our window of tolerance, taking a 20 minute break is the best thing ever. And oftentimes I will choose to do EDI and then we'll come back and we will have a conversation and it will be really beautiful as he's learned that having boundaries for himself and that learning to communicate and step into his manifestor energy and human design and me learning as a projector, even though I can see the right way to do something, it doesn't mean I can share unless I'm invited. <laughs> and, and to now that I know how to regulate my emotions and not go into fight or flight straight away and we can just communicate. He took an incredible course called Crucial Conversations Through Work that he went up and told the guy that it saved our marriage. <laughs> so what's really beautiful is that, you know, my therapist said like, how wonderful that as you've done the work and you've been growing and healing, he also has started to do it alongside of you because it didn't have to happen that way, but we've been growing together. And every night we go to bed and we say three things we're grateful for to each other. We we journal together. We sometimes we'll do the workshops together. It's just so cool to have someone and a framework to do this work with. That is so beautiful. You know, uh, my therapist shared this with me the other day, but so many times people say the, the biggest issue in relationships or romantic relationships is communication, but actually it's unresolved trauma. Because it's not just the way in which you are communicating it, it's what triggers are going off and what you're actually perceiving through the lens of your trauma about what's happening. And likely through the lens of your trauma, you're perceiving very different realities than actually what might even be happening. Absolutely. I, I'm just like, I'm in awe of my husband and how much he's grown and who he is today and who I am today. Like he was like, you know, Brene Brown says this and he'll be like, so next time I'd like you to say the story I'm telling myself is I'm like, who are you? Like, how did we get here? Like, it's, yeah. It really is amazing. And, and it's so true. We now realize that when we feel an impulse to have a conflict like they're not flights, they're just crucial conversations. We have, we both make sure we're feeling safe before we engage in the discussion. But it's, it's very insightful for us to always be like, oh, this is triggering me because of this. It, like we're, we're mirrors to each other and the work that still needs to be done within TBM in our lives. And also there are times where we can just, we, we honestly, it's, I think it's really cute. We speak to each other's inner child. Hey, like what does your inner child need to hear? And like, we'll talk to them. It's honestly... I'm beyond grateful for his support and for our partnership because we really are a team. And I can say that so fully knowing how bad it was to give hope and expansion to anyone who's like, this relationship is not going to work. Like we definitely felt that way. And just like my own journey with my health, it wasn't always pretty. <laughs> there was a lot of twists and turns that I would have rather avoided, but sometimes the messiest paths are the ones that are the most beautiful at the end. I think that's so expansive for anyone out there. You know, a lot of people are trying to manifest their partner, but then we also have a lot of people who are in relationships. And it's like, once you're in the relationship, I mean, there is so much that can be discovered and you can learn and grow. And there's just so many layers to it. And I think giving voice that, you can have those rock bottoms in your partnership. It doesn't mean your partnership is a test. <laughs> it means that you are almost in a weird way being tested to see how you can evolve and solve that problem together. How can we say, okay, this 
doesn't feel good the way that we're navigating this anymore? And what are some tools we can look to to start to integrate better and and be in the same alignment? Yeah. And honestly, that's also where I'm like, I'm so grateful I got sick because I had taken on everything. Not even like it was asked of me, just I think a lot of women feel the pressure to do everything. You cook, you clean. I was handling the finances, all these things. And so when I got sick, it was like a breakdown because I realized I do everything. I plan our social engagements. I get the presents. Like it was not okay. (laughs) And a lot of women who are sick that I work with, they are constantly overdoing. And even when they're sick, they're still feeling the need to take on all the responsibilities, whether they have children or with their partner. And it's, it's really hard to do it all. And so that's where allowing others to help you and allowing yourself to receive is a huge part of the journey as well, because a lot of us feel like we can't, we feel guilty to receive. And some people call it the receiving wound. That's, I've had to work with that a lot. That really was part of my journey with an on, being an entrepreneur and even allowing myself to make money. For the first several months, I kept doing free support groups. I kept giving away all my programs for on scholarship because I felt too guilty charging. And I had to go back and do a lot of rewiring and realize This is stemming from me feeling like I have to do everything and be everything for everyone else and put myself last. I deserve to be compensated for my services. And in fact, when people pay for something, there's an energetic exchange where they also believe in themselves and they're like co-signing their personal growth and development. So after I did that, it was just like wild. It's like all of a sudden having five figure months effortlessly and just people coming to me. It's just been so much about me deciding what I want and allowing it to come through. A lot of times we feel like we have to do a lot of things to make something happen. That's not true. We actually just need to get out of the way and allow us to receive most of the time. I think that's one of the most powerful things of this process is recognizing that, yes, take aligned action, follow your pings, be guided. You're not just going to sit there and things are just going to come to you unless you've laid the groundwork for them first. But understanding, like I was looking back on one of the patterning I had written down and similar to you, like control feels safe for me. So I'm like, okay, this isn't going right. I'll control it. I'll micromanage it. I'll just do everything I can to show value, to show I'm the expert in this or I could, you know, whatever it is. And my secret sauce is to not do that. (laughs) Things come through when I just put out what feels good, know the limits, and then after that limit point, say, okay, I trust it will will connect in the way it's supposed to. And it's just wild. You're like, what? I can do less, but receive more? Like this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's true for everything. And I think it's easy with TDM to micromanage your process and try to document everything in a fixed way. And, you know, in the beginning, sure, that's also helpful. But if that's your patterning, so much of me has just been about getting out of the way and like trying not to control things. And it's so true. That's one of my like reminders to myself is the less I do, the more I receive. And it's in my business too. I'm looking at other people and other entrepreneurs and I I understand I'm a projector so I can do things more efficiently according to human design, but I don't work more than two to three hours a day and I take breaks whenever I want. And I I need to do that to maintain my good health. But I look at other people who just feel like the more they hustle, the more they do, it will get them what they want. But it's just so the opposite. It's about like regulate your nervous system and just allow. 
And I think that's an interesting point too, because, okay, so even through the lens of human design, like I'm a generator. And when I get lit up about something, it's like, that's all I can think about. Like I'm on a track to go. But the biggest part of understanding when it's, it's the difference between being lit up about something or overgiving is the regulation of the nervous system. Because if the nervous system is regulated, I can tell the second where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good on that. I'm not lit up about that anymore. I can move on to something else or I can give myself a break. But if that's not regulated, I totally speed past it. And I'm like, I was just lit up about it. It's like that whole time, were you lit up about it that whole time? And that's where you can kind of see that disconnect too. 100%. Yeah. And a term that might be helpful for people is interoception. That's the skill of being able to actually understand what's happening inside of your body. Can you feel your heartbeat? Can you feel like the digestion happening? Like, And so that process is what a lot of people are disconnected from, especially when they've been experiencing chronic pain and debilitating, unpredictable symptoms. You just learn to tune it out because you need to in order to keep going and achieving and accomplishing. But the more you develop the skill of interoception and tuning inward, which is a scientific way, I think, of just saying intuition and pings, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more that you will be guided. Well said. Okay, so I wanted to do a little rapid fire pinpoint. Maybe let's go to most impactful manifestation because it doesn't always mean biggest. Yeah, it has to be starting my business because it was a ping for so long. And I know you're also a four, six profile in human design. And so a lot of what I'm meant to do comes through my community and my network. So people kept telling me like, okay, do this. You should be a life coach. You should do this. And I just, I only had this vision of if you're starting a business, people would come to your house and it'd be really complicated. And I don't have the energy to see people one-on-one. I really had no idea. So one of the biggest steps was taking the leap of faith. My disability payments were coming to an end. I was running out of money. It was like terrifying. And I just launched it and put myself out there. I really had to overcome this fear of being seen. And also just like I mentioned, the the ability to receive. So much of it was feeling like I needed to give and give and give, but actually charging for my services was so difficult. I used to be an amazing fundraiser. Like I could start all these different charities. I was on boards for nonprofits. Like making money wasn't hard, but as soon as it was for me, it was like, oh, I can't do that. Like who am I to, to do that? And so that was a big thing. I had to pass a lot of tests, like when I was stuck in my mind, not knowing what to do when I did my first launch and no one signed up. So I quit the launch like after day two, because I didn't realize when you launch something, like you need to talk about it a lot. And and, um, I was like, oh my God, I'm a failure. Actually, the aligned action I took was doing less. I think a lot of us think aligned action needs to be doing something, but rest is productive and it is doing something. If you're lying in bed, taking a break, but all you're doing is ruminating on everything you should be doing, you're not resting. What is the way that you actually can restore your energy? Because that's what I had to start doing. I had to start truly taking breaks and truly just allowing my intuition to guide me towards what steps to take, what program should I create? What are people looking for? And put it out there and a hundred percent believe in myself. And that's when everything really changed. What was the limiting belief maybe that you had when you were going after this manifestation that you had to reframe? And what is the empowering belief I guess you have now for it? Yeah. I, a big one was my needs don't matter. 
actually, you know what it was? The biggest one in terms of entrepreneurship was I don't belong. And so I reframed it as I do belong because in my family, everyone's an engineer, everyone's in science. Like there's no one who's an entrepreneur and I don't have that many people. Like all my friends are doctors and lawyers. Like I honestly don't have any entrepreneurs. I didn't. I've now manifested amazing friendships and partnerships of people who are in similar aligned paths as entrepreneurs. But back then I really felt like such massive imposter syndrome. And I'd never experienced imposter syndrome before. I'd always been like very go-getter, just jump right in. But for some reason, starting a business was so terrifying. Yeah, so I just really felt into, I belong, I belong. It also came up a lot with my relationship with my in-laws, feeling like an outsider. You know, even though I have a good relationship with them, I always was triggered like, oh, I don't belong. I'm, I'm not the same. Like I'm not wanted here. And so that was a big test and triggers I had to overcome. A big action step I took was hiring a business coach because it was a significant investment and it scared me. And like all the money was drying up. My husband was laid off. I had gotten an advance from my lawsuit process, but it was ending. I was like, I am making no money. Like, what am I going to do with my life? I was starting to look at other job postings. And then I was just like, I'm going to invest with a coach because I'm not giving up on myself. I'm putting myself first and I'm going to show up. And it was truly this shift in my energy of like, I'm here, I believe in myself. And I, how dare I not put myself out there when I know that I can help others. Totally reframing what I thought about selling and it being sleazy and actually being like, I'm inviting people forward to heal. Okay. So I want to dig into when you're at that, like, you know, the funds are drying up, it's getting tense. You're like, oh, maybe I need another job. How did you navigate that into the place where you're like, oh, okay, here's where the money's going to come from. I'm good. Yeah. And not only that, it was like, I had so many horrible emails and DMs and comments on my posts. It was just messed up because I started charging and I got attack. It was like, how dare you charge us? And like all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't keep doing things for free. Like I'm not a charity. And at the beginning, it was like me trying to respond to them until I realized like, okay, I actually, this is not it. <laughs> so doing a lot of DIs and overcoming those triggers, I now no longer get any of those kind of DMs or hate messages because I just decided I'm not here for it. And I set those energetic boundaries in my DIs with my inner child. Yes. But the other thing that came forward was like, I knew that my lawsuit, the mediation was coming up. And throughout my whole, at that point, two years that I'd been doing TBM, I hadn't had major manifestations come through, but I always knew because I'd heard in a supported episode, like, it's like, no, my energetic bank account is filling up every single time I pass a test. So I just knew that it was going to come through the portal of my lawsuit the other thing is that I, we did have savings, but Adam and I both grew up in families where you don't touch your savings. And it's a lot of scarcity mindset, a lot of lack mentality. Like even though we had the money, we felt like we had no money, if that makes sense. Like we just had to do some transferring and stuff, but it was like, no, we can't do that. We're poor. What are we going to do? We're going to end up on the street. Like even to the point where we were tested, where Adam got laid off and we had gotten mortgage insurance for job loss. And then because he didn't tick a box that he had consulted someone about anxiety, they didn't honor it. I was like, oh my gosh, all of this mess. And what really happened was I decided that I wasn't going to hide anymore. I realized that everything I'd been doing online was not fully embracing my intuitive side. 
uh, because I felt like it was too woo-woo. And I felt like I really needed to go from the lens of I'm a teacher. I have a graduate certificate in like social justice and resilience and advancing healthy communities. Like that's the angle I have to go through. But then I, I really, this was around June of last year, I just settled into the fact that like Lacey always says, if you're not growing at the rate you want to, where are you hiding? And I was hiding in terms of showing up about my love of human design and crystals and oracle cards and, and, and this TBM process. And so I just started being authentic to myself. And that was a huge fear. And I just did it. And it correlated with my husband getting a job. And then all of a sudden me hiring the business coach and then just winging it and like, I'm going to launch a program. (laughs) I just did it. And honestly, before I'd literally been like, can I charge $5 a month for a membership? I tried the membership. I tried selling a course for 400. It was like, I had experimented with so many things and I'm grateful I did because I was failing forward. I was just running into the fire and if things didn't work, I'd reassess and I'd try again. So when I finally, I changed my name on Instagram to the Spoonie Mentor and spoon theory is a pacing concept for people who are chronically ill. A lot of people use it because it helps them like know how to count their spoons, basically use your energy budget wisely throughout the day. So I launched my program and people signed up. People didn't sign up until the last day, but then I filled that program. So it was about staying strong, even though nothing was happening during the first week launch and just staying still grounding, doing meditations and it all coming through. And it was amazing. And at that point I felt on fire, but then the next thing came through, which was my lawyer emailed me a week before our mediation. And she was pissed because, you know, when you're in a lawsuit, you're told you're not supposed to post on social media or do any of these things. Cause like it can all be used against you in your case. And I had kind of at that point been like, I don't care anymore because I feel like I've been hiding in the shadow and this stressor has been looming and I'm going to live my life. I trust that what is meant to happen will happen with this lawsuit. That was a big action step. And she was mad. And I, and cause I'd started talking at that time, I then started to really transform with my health. My health was increasing. My energy was increasing. I had no more symptoms. I stopped going to all of these appointments because my patterning had been, let me go see 50 doctors and try a hundred supplements and try to like make myself heal as quickly as possible by rushing it and doing as much as I can. But by last year, I was like, no, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop seeing people. I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to trust my intuition. And it was just all, I mean, talking about it now, wow, everything was really happening. And I can see all of the energetics of it. But my lawyer was so mad because I had been talking about my health improvements and how much I had improved. And she said, this is going to so affect your settlement. And so anyways, we're in the mediation room and I just stayed strong and I stayed grounded and I trusted in myself. And in the end, my lawyer and even the mediator was like shocked at the outcome. I fully know it's because I stayed strong. Like basically it happened and my lawyer was in shock and she actually said, don't tell anyone the number you got (laughs) because like it's not normal. It was incredible. And then once that pressure of needing to make money in my business went away because I was protected and felt secure and my nervous system was like, okay, we are good. That's when I even started to make more money in my business with my future launches because... It wasn't about me proving my worth by the number of clients that joined my programs. It was about me helping as many people as I could based on what I knew I could offer. Well, I think it's such a powerful piece too, because I think so many people when they're starting businesses, 
They do need it for that sense of security. They do need it for their lifestyle, their income, to feed their families, et cetera. And so there's all this pressure on the career to provide those things. But when you're mixing, you know, your mission with your your financial security status, you're getting a lot of overlap with stuff there. And you almost have to get very, very clear Yes, you can be a smart, intentional business person, but are you making these choices, decisions, showing up from a place of, I really, really believe in what I have to share with people? Yeah. And honestly, following the TBM process was so helpful because I needed to find my expanders. Like I kept thinking, okay, what's happening? What am I missing? And expanders was huge. I was able to find the most perfect expander who was like also half Asian, Phoebe Kuhn, K-U-H-N. I highly recommend her. She's like so good for anyone. She talks about human design and business strategy and perfectly blends the energetics with the strategy piece and the mindset and talks about nervous system regulation. So I can't more highly recommend her. And she was someone who like didn't make any money in her businesses. She was losing it all. And then all of a sudden now she makes like multi seven figures. So it was just like, and to the point where I even manifested a one-on-one call with her, which is usually valued 2,500. I had that a couple of weeks ago and she just sat there and she's like, you're doing amazing. To have my ultimate expander, who's also an emotional projector, also a cancer, like half Asian, look at me and look at my business plan and what I've done and like reflect back that I was doing a good job was the ultimate expansion. Just like suddenly talking with you, being invited onto this podcast, I was like, what is it that all of my expanders are now in my field? And like, I'm actually like, I belong, which was the biggest block that I had been working through. Wow. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, this is expansive for me to hear too. Like this (laughs) is just so powerful. And I really want everyone to really take in the power of expansion and how you were self-expanding your nervous system, you know, your network, all of these things, putting yourself out there to be in place with these expanders. Even I would say you DMing me, that's aligned action. You know, you weren't like, hey, Jessica, can you tell me like all the secrets of your life and blah, 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 blah. Like you weren't (laughs) getting expansion that way, but just having like quick banter in the DMs and whatever, that was showing expansion. That was opening the door. So Yeah, I just want everyone out there to really think about the ways in which they're going about that expansion and how it can be just by being in presence of or witnessing of that person, I think can make such a huge difference. Totally. Just following a ping to go follow you. And then I started looking at your stories. I was like, this is so cool. I basically don't look at stories because I find it kind of dizzying to have to swipe it through it all. But I look at yours. I look at Phoebe Coons and I look at Rebel Nutrition. She's another great expander on Instagram for anyone who's into the whole online course side of things and Lacey. And then I just get expanded. Go and look past everyone's posts. Go and look at their highlight stories. Look at their stories. Search their name inside of podcasts and see where they've been guests. Honestly, expose yourself to as much as possible. And I found really great expanders. But the other thing is you don't have to go searching and trying to force your way into finding expanders. That's another thing where doing less is more. Sometimes I just write on my manifest list. I call it like the universe's to-do list. I was like, bring me expanders. Yeah. <laughs> <Or> like <laughs> I said, bring me like soulpreneurs, people who are on the same journey as me, dealing with their health and chronic illness, but also like growing their businesses. I've seriously manifested the most incredible community of women 
now who like I can check in with. We send voice memos all the time and it's like, hey, how are things going? What's going on with this? And even before this episode, it's like, they're like, go, Emily, you're going to rock it. Like, just be yourself. And I was like, okay, thanks, guys. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So powerful. Well, okay. One last ending note here. What is a phrase or a sentence that you say to your inner child that gives you a feeling of sort of inner peace or calms your inner child down when you have those moments of elevation or fear or stress that kind of comes in that maybe someone else can start doing with their inner child? Honestly, the amount of times that I've repeated, I am safe, you wouldn't probably even believe just I am safe. It's so simple, but we're safe. Everything's okay. Being in a car was so tricky in the early days. I would freak about anything. And my husband learned very on. He just had to put his hand on my leg and just say, you're safe if I was ever triggered. So definitely saying I'm safe a lot. And also just everything is as it should be. That was one of my mantras for a long time. A lot of times we're so focused on the past or so fixated or anxious about what's coming in the future. And so just to get out of the driver's seat and remember like everything is as it should be and trusting in the divine timing of everything. You know, when I was in the thick of it, I could have never imagined that I'd be where I am today, but it just goes to show that everything was happening as it was meant to. And I so fully trust that now that anything that happens, I know is happening for a reason. Like I... I've been open on social media recently that my husband had been trying to conceive and we're struggling on our fertility journey. And that brings up a bunch of things of like, oh, I thought I'd been working on my health. Is this another layer of I'm not good enough and something's wrong with me? And like, it's the all, another ultimate example of like, you can't control the process. You have to be patient, but you can also take some aligned action, but don't get overly stressed because then your nervous system won't be regulated. <laughs> it's like all of these things that I already know how to work through. But just because I've been through them before doesn't make them any easier. I know the tools and resources to get by and and make it through. But it doesn't mean I don't still feel the feelings. It doesn't mean my life is magical and I don't experience tests or triggers. Every single thing for me is continuing to do this work and continuing to know that just because I've worked through one limiting belief once doesn't mean it's not going to pop back up later in a different context. And there's no shame in that. You chipped away at that limiting belief through this one angle and you up-leveled. And it doesn't mean that that limiting belief might not pop up and creep up in a new way that you can chip away at it more. It's never eradicating it so it never surfaces ever again. It's how can I peel back more and more layers and, and get to deeper and deeper healing. And I think it's so important to share that like, it's so, so key that you write down your manifest list based on what aligns with your authenticity, because a lot of times we're actually wanting to manifest status or success, or we're thinking that once we have this, we will feel worthy. And I'm here to tell you, like, you can manifest seven figures, you can manifest being on this podcast, you can manifest having a five figure launch. And the next thing you're going to think is what's next. Like, it's not like I've like arrived and I'm happy. I've realized, oh, it's like it never ends this desire for more and expansion and growth. So yeah, it's kind of been like, oh, I thought that I would feel differently once I finally did these things. And then I get there. I'm like, oh, I don't really feel that different. I'm still me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not like you're really looking for to completely change yourself. You have it all within you already. It's just these cool manifestations are external signposts of the progress you're making. 
100%. It's so funny. So my fiance is going through the, the manifestation challenge. And when he was completing his authentic code, I'm like, this sounds more like a manifestation list than a authentic code. And I was like, did you do the authentic self? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. But I fell asleep, but I think I got it. I was like, no, do it again. <laughs> Cause you need to be able to tap into your authenticity, what your soul essence was like a young child and what that feeling of play and joy is. Remove all the work stuff for a second. They could be pillars if those are really exciting you and lighting you up at the season of your life. But what's one thing that's just for you? for your joy. You know, you're not, it's not about monetary growth. It's not about career growth. Like what is a pillar that you're like, if I didn't get paid for this ever, I would not stop doing it because I freaking love it. Like what is that pillar of your authenticity? And so many people are like, yeah, I can do that when I get the other things, but it's like, you're not going to get the things unless you start making space for that version now. Oh my gosh, cannot agree more. I love Authentic Code. I think it's probably the tool I use the most inside of TBM. I even created my own business Authentic Code when I started my business to really make sure every decision I was making aligned. To watch my Authentic Code shift and evolve over the years has been interesting. One of the pillars that started was recognition. And now I realize I thought that was what made me authentic and maybe true projectors love recognition. I do desire to feel seen and I do crave that external validation, but that was actually a lot more based on ways that I felt unworthy. So now that word is impact because to me, I do not need the recognition. Now I've learned that it actually comes naturally when you are focused on impact, but I want to impact other people. And it's not about me. It's not about me needing the recognition. If I can have a DM exchange with someone and make them feel more empowered, then that is amazing. Even if they never pay me, you know, like it's about impact and I don't need to publicly share that with everyone and have everyone know it's really been such a journey in my self-worth increasing to realize I don't need the recognition. It's not bad to want it, but what's really at the heart of it. And so my authentic code, I have it as my phone background. Oh no, this is actually, I have a new vision board lately for my business, but it, <laughs> it also includes, it includes my business authentic code up top Love there, it. but ease is one of them. Ease, just allowing myself to feel at ease with my life and to take it slow, to say no, impact and just connection. I need to feel connected to people, whether, even if it's virtually, right? And it's just every decision that I'm having problems with, just being able to look back and be like, oh, does this connect to this? Does this connect to personal growth? Does this connect to all these other things I want? And helping it to navigate through challenges that, that life presents itself. I have to share because I was just, I just changed my phone background yesterday based off of a podcast I listened to, but I have my inner child as my background right Aww. now. So I started picking whatever inner child is coming up that week or whatever that's most activated where like her, her energy's popping up. I try to put that age there. So every time I look at it, I'm like, no, you're talking to her. You need to let her know that she's she's okay. So I, the phone background's a powerful one, whether it's your vision board, yeah. your, your authentic code, your inner child, utilize, because think of how many times we check our phones per day and you're like subconsciously putting it in there. So 
I also just want to emphasize that it's really important to personalize this work and to trust yourself. Like if you enjoy making a vision board, make a vision board. I put TBM logo on my vision board and look at me, I'm on the yeah. process episode. <laughs> so like it can work for you. And even Dr. Tara on her TikTok, she was saying like the first thing you see in the morning and the last thing you see at night, that's what your subconscious will be processing through the night. So in that sense, if you put your vision board somewhere you're gonna really look at before bed and tune into the feeling, it can can really help you manifest. Yeah, I like that that idea of also making it your own too cuz I think when Lacey says, you know, not about the vision boards, it's that people get so tied into that one particular image. And, you know, that could be a general image of someone on the beach and you don't connect to it as much. And what's more expansive than a vision board is expanders. But if you want to make a vision board, if it adds to your practice in any way, go for it. Absolutely. Like my Pinterest board is my best vision board for manifesting things around the home and furniture. I almost get it down to a T from my vision boards on there. So, you know, you got to do what's good for you in your process and brings you joy too. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This has been such a powerful episode, so expansive. I know the community is probably going to be connecting with you on DMs and social media and all of that fun stuff. And yeah, I just really appreciate you opening up and sharing so much about your journey. Thank you. I cannot say enough. Honestly, like I I have to say thank you to you and the whole TBM team and Lacey Phillips. I wouldn't be where I am today without it. I know that 100%. I wouldn't be with my husband without the work and all the friendships I've made, everything I've manifested. I just see every time I go into workshop, the little tweaks, even though you're not advertising them, I know how you are all so committed to continuing to improve this process for everyone to have the best impact possible. And it works for anyone who's been toe dipping, who's like, oh, nothing's coming through, like do the work. I know it's scary. I know your nervous system feels like, oh, it's, I don't want to change. It's scary. Like do it because when you pass that step, you're never going to feel comfortable enough to get to a point where you start to want to do the work. You just have to start and then the motivation will come. And honestly, it's been a game changer. And I totally geek out about all of this stuff. So I would love if anyone DMs me at the Spoonie Mentor. If you happen to have a chronic illness yourself and you want to join one of my programs, I'd be, I, I'll, I'll create a little discount code or promo code for the community. So just message me, say you found me on TBM and I'm more than happy to hook you up. <laughs> yes. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Emily. And we will see you all next time. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this 
you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the Ys, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.